Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the show. My guest today on the show for the third time is Kenny Weiland, our self-proclaimed liberal atheist and capitalist geek. We tackle the tug of war of understanding within social and political issues between liberals and conservatives. We demonstrate that it is possible to have a decent and civil discussion in spite of the ever-growing divide in our country. Anyway, okay. Um, is this uh, is this part of it? Are you, did you want to do an intro, or are we just? Yeah, I think talking about it's fine, and I'll just say welcome back, Kenny, Kenny Wyland, for to the show for the third time. I'm I'm kind of labeling you my. And it's funny we're talking about labels and how we shouldn't do that, but I'm labeling you my my liberal counselor. <laughs> is that fair? Sure. Okay. Sure. Take it. <laughs> liberal consigliere. No, wait, no. Yeah, I like um, that's that's good too. Oh no no. Uh, so yes. So when, when was I was originally sort of pitching ideas to you for what we could talk about next? Yeah, I was looking for something that you had strong feelings about. Something yeah that like you would be not quite willing to go to blows over, but something that you know you you had a strong position on and you were willing to defend it, and you know that you could push back on me because because I wanted to have a a two way conversation, right? I yeah. wanted. I didn't want it to just be me talking about something and you asking, you know, some good questions. And I wanted it to, to, to actually, you know, find something you were. Like an old fashioned conversation that we used to have a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sit on the porch, talk about stuff. Exactly. Those. Oh, that's that's, that's a little throwback. You know, like the, the the porch is maybe a little bit too chill that I was going for, but I'm I'm up for whatever. Debate high school debate club. Sure. Maybe something like that. Well, we should. Yeah. And the, and the older I get, the more I realize I had, we have, I think we have, I can only use me as an example, but we have these strong opinions because that's what we've heard our whole life, generally speaking. Sure. For example, I was raised in very conservative Northern California. So those are the values that I heard my whole life. And then I, where did I move? I went to move to Utah. It's known to be a wee bit conservative again. So those are the values that have been in my brain for so long. So by nature, they typically make more sense. And I remember when, you know, and, and we've talked about this before, but when I first, you and I first came cross paths, it was during the, when Obama's first run for office. And uh, I remember some of the things that you would say instinctively, I had this dig in my heels and say, what the, you're full of crap. I didn't know. <laughs> you know, it was just my conservative experience and exposure that that made me dig in and want to fight back and then i think when i think our first our first interview was about why that why we get so butthurt about if someone challenges an idea that's in our head because we almost feel like we are been duped like how dare you share new information with me and then it makes me look like i've been duped right or or potentially it's an idea that is central to your identity right and so then for a lot of people, it's not that I'm sharing some information that this idea you have is wrong. It's that I'm telling you that you as a person are incorrect. 
right? Because if you if you connect it to your identity, you, you get this a lot usually with religion. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Is it's like someone doesn't someone doesn't describe themselves as oh you know usually as a uh, I'm a believer of Christianity. You say like I'm a Christian, right? It's I I am the thing, and so yeah, right. The, if you identify with I am the idea of whatever it is, then it makes it much harder to hear contrary information. Yeah. Because, yeah. It, it's it, it's someone attacking your team, attacking your tribe. Right. Sort of thing. It's funny that you said mentioned religion because there's a new uh, film out on Hulu uh, called Under the Banner of Heaven. I don't know if you've heard about it. I have not, but I'll probably it, hear about it through one of my other favorite podcasts. It, uh, <laughs> it was a book written 10, 15 years ago about a, a murder in American Fork, Utah of a fundamentalist Mormon family uh, killed one of their own because the woman was challenging the, the family dynamic and it was a big, you know, big deal. And there was a book written about it. So that's come out. And so we could do this this way. And I think I, I mentioned that, that we just maybe talk about some pop political topics, mm -hmm. get my perspective, get your perspective, how you arrive at those. That's what I wanted to do. And that's what I think I'm trying to do with my show from now on is to have people on that, on the surface, we may not like people was like, why would you hang out with that person? Why would you talk to that person? You were polar opposites. But that mm -hmm. I think is what we need to be doing more of, honestly, okay. to learn because I could talk I'm, to I'm my down, tribe all the time. And they're a little, I, it's like talking to me. I don't want to talk to me. It's boring. <laughs> you know, so, so you can, I'll let you start. No, no, you were supposed to. Oh, I was, I was supposed to, to bring it. Supposed to do some homework. Yeah, you're supposed to be the one who uh, bring these uh, hot button topics. Well, they're they're warm button topics. Okay, really. mediocre warm topics. Because you you had asked about okay, oh this may I, not uh, be as, this may not be as volatile as we want it to be, but I mean we could go there. Well, I mean I I was uh, like, like I said I was trying to find some some topics that uh, that could get you warmed up and uh, uh, and you were you know I, I I couldn't spur much out of you. <laughs> Okay, let's okay. Let's do this because I keep pounding this drum constantly about the distrust of media. Sure, that sounds and, like a good. You place wanted to, to talk about that. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell me what you distrust about the media? Actually, since we since we talked about our earlier defining our terms, define your terms of media. Media, I would. Man, it used to just be three. There was three: ABC, NBC, CBS. I would say on national level. Okay. Media, and you can see it. In every election, you can see how, how, you know, like for example, Fox will portray something or show something different than CNN or MSNBC, or right. It's like how can they see the same situation so different? Mm -hmm. And that's where I and I and I I believe media is our business. And and maybe when I was when you and I were younger, how old are you again, Kenny? 45, 46. Okay. I think I just turned forty six. Okay. So I have a, just a couple of years ahead of you, but there was, you know, Walter Cronkite, you know, the most trusted man in America. And, and that was on the news. And I don't remember people fighting about things like they do now. And maybe they did. And I just didn't see it because I was younger Didn't notice. Uh, yeah, but, and I think at the time, most of the news at that time was the, what we considered the traditional journalism that was non-opinion. That was just reporting the facts. Yeah. Um, and that that's obviously changed significantly, but go, please go on. 
Yeah, no, it, it, it seems. And, and again, I have a, a dear friend who is a, an anchor in Salt Lake city has been for, you know, in the, he's been in the news for pushing 30 years. He's a good dude. Um, do I, I don't think he's been co-opted or he said he's never been told to say one thing or another. He's never been steered to say one thing or another. So it, it gives me a little faith in at least, you know, our local media, whereas you see the battles with all these morning shows, the morning Joe's and, and, and the Hannity's and Fox and friends and all of those seem to stir, you know, fire up their base, getting everybody excited. And because if, if we're not excited, if they're not, if it's not emotional, then why, why watch it? It's boring. And so that's where I think agendas are underlying in everything that is reported. Mm-hmm. I mean, one could, it, we're like being, being where I'm at, people are diehard Trump fans. They love Trump. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure where you are, it's probably opposite. Mm-hmm. One side, one media is saying, you know, he's the devil. One media is saying he's the best thing since Jesus. <laughs> so we've got this constant thing going on and i and i've i've, I've come to the well, not conclusion but i think somewhere in the middle is probably the answer for most things so i i think that 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 concept of the truth is somewhere in the middle is a very widely a, a very widely believed and accepted concept right because it it plays into that idea of like, well, you're telling me one story and you're telling me the other story. Probably neither person is being perfectly honest and the truth is somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> but I want to say in the last 10 or 15 years, um, I, th- I think I have begun to move away from that concept. I, wh- while there's a there's a certain natural element feeling element to it. I think that it's too simplistic because sometimes there are facts involved, right? Sometimes there are there there is a real position involved. And the so the answer isn't somewhere in the middle, right? There's a right or a wrong. Correct. Like yeah, so I mean, or at the very least, um, so I wanted to, I was I was trying to pick a, a topic like that that wouldn't necessarily like trigger everybody listening <laughs> at the moment, right? But we don't have any problem triggering people. It's okay, okay. Trigger, yeah, I think triggering. Not, gets no, I mean think. I I didn't I didn't really mean to trigger. I just that, okay. that I wanted them to still be able to listen, and so I didn't want to say a thing that made them immediately then not listen to what I was about to say. But okay, well like, I'll tell example, everyone. I'll tell I'll tell my people. Yeah, my vast audience. <laughs> Kenny's not the devil. He's kind of smart. And, and he's not a bomb thrower. So try to listen because that's what Um, I've done. It's taken me a long time to get here. Cool. So, all right. So like climate change is one of these topics that has become political. I don't think that it should be because there really isn't a question factually of whether or not uh, it's happening and whether or not humans are uh, accelerating it at an incredible rate from a historical perspective, right? And so when one side is currently saying climate change is something we need to deal with and the other side is saying uh, it's a hoax, right? The answer really isn't somewhere in the middle. You know what I'm saying? And 
you know, for specific things, you might be able to say that one side is, uh, isn't saying it exactly honestly, but if we're talking about like, okay, on a scale from like zero to a hundred, where the, the people who accept the fact of climate change are, are at a hundred on the, uh, on the scale and the people who are calling it a hoax are zero on the scale, right? Like if, maybe if the truth is at, uh, based on how people are saying it, maybe the truth is at 95, right? That would be technically quote unquote, somewhere in the middle, right? Between the hundred and zero, but it's very uh-huh. clearly not 50, which is what most people sort of emotionally take from the, the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Like, okay, sure. Maybe at one end, maybe they're saying some stuff that isn't, uh, you know, isn't perfectly accurate or is, is written in a, an alarmist fashion, but it's still true, that kind of thing. So to the, to that original point, you know, this concept of somewhere, the, the truth being somewhere in the middle, I think is a very natural one. I think it's very widely held, but I, um, I, I think it needs to be taken with a grain of salt because it's, I think it's too simplistic because sometimes there are answers. Um, Why do you think a lot of people go to that point to, to say that? Is it, is it maybe because, oh, I don't know what the word is, too easy or yeah, want to fight? They don't want to cause... Maybe, I don't know. That, no, no, I think, I think you've got it right. I think that's what it is, that generally people don't want c- conflict. And it's socially easier to say that both sides have a problem than to call out one side as being factually incorrect and one side as being, hey, maybe they're flawed, but they basically have the right answer, right? Because then you're choosing a side, right? Or something like that. So I think the both sidesing, right? But all well, both sides do blah is the is the easy answer, right? It doesn't take effort to learn about what's happening on both sides. It doesn't it doesn't take the effort of potentially having to defend the statement uh, as much because it's lukewarm, <laughs> right? right. Uh, and so that that's why I think that happens, but and, and I think like both sidesing, right? The both sidesism is is I a real problem, I think, in our discussion of, of yeah. politics and all sorts of stuff. Because, like, yeah, uh, liberals and Democrats have problems too, right? I, you know, the like you you mentioned um, that some people when they're talking about Trump, you know, say he's the devil, and some people say he's Jesus, right? But I I, I know that over the years I've heard a lot of conservatives tell me that liberals think that Obama was you know like next coming of jesus and i've never heard that from someone who actually supported obama that was just a characterization from the other side yeah right but i've definitely seen a giant i've I've definitely seen a giant golden statue of trump (laughs) from from christians who apparently didn't read their bible uh you know at like cpac or you know (laughs) things like that um uh you know, they make a golden idol out of him, um, quite literally. So uh, there's, what was I trying to get to with that? Like that when the the idea of, uh, the, the idea of both sides is, it's easy because you don't have to, you don't have to pick a side, right? Or you don't have to choose, say that one is wrong or one's right. But like, I, I'm okay with, 
identifying the problems that my side has. You know, I don't have to pretend that my side is perfect, right? I don't think the Democrats are perfect. I, you know, like I voted for Joe Biden, but honestly, out of the list of the possible de- like candidates that that we had, the, at least the ones that I thought were viable, he was my last choice. <laughs> and like, I think he has plenty of problems. He's he's not my he's not my favorite, right? But I don't. So you're not a pure. I, I still, not a purist. No, I'm not a purist. Which is good because I especially in politics, the goal isn't to find my perfect candidate. The goal is to find me the candidate that gets me closer to what I want. Yeah. Right? That aligns with as many of your values as possible. Yeah. I want to, it's, it's the, uh, as, as people, you know, memes on the internet like to say, uh, it's, you know, voting for somebody isn't marriage. It's, uh, it's public transportation. You just get on the bus that gets you the closest to where you want to go. I like that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, I guess the it's the the othering or the sizing as you call it. That's I like that. That's a good term too. Sizing. I see the name calling. Name calling is easy because that's you can stay on your side and throw a bomb over to the other side and name call, and then you don't have to actually discuss or spend the time. That's my theory. Is that if you name call in your mind, you win. Oh well, you're a whatever. Mm-hmm. Moving on, and it, you don't have to spend the time to actually get to know that person or that issue mm-hmm. because you've just lobbed a bomb in their lap and ran off and to me that's that just perpetuates the the division that's happening sure and and let's try to bring uh we'll come back to the actual media itself yeah since that's kind of the the core of of this particular topic was distrust of the media right right just know Um, i'll you gotta you gotta rein me in because i'll i'll be all over the place i wonder no no problem i'm happy with an organic conversation but this is one that we have talked about a lot and i definitely do want to get uh, get into the media aspect of it. Cause I, I think this, the concept talking about the, the both sides thing is important because it is, I think an important aspect of the distrust. Um, and I, for me, deciding who to trust in terms of reporting, right. Can, it, it is complicated. The idea of determining a reliable source of information, right. Is complicated. That's, yeah. I think it's important to understand, right? You can't just say like, well, this one's right and everybody else is wrong, right? But one of the easiest ways, or at least most reliable ways that um, I think is, uh, can can help you distinguish who might be telling you closer to the truth. We don't have to say it's pure truth, but closer, right? Is that, is, is to look at multiple sources, obviously, but it's easy to then discount, oh, well, all those are liberal sources or whatever, right? So I'm not gonna listen to them. But the best, the best one I think is the BBC, right? So that's the British broadcasting company. The BBC news is, has nothing to do with Republican and Democratic politics, right? They they got, they've got own, no skin in the game. Right, they've got no skin in the game. They have their entirely own set of, uh, of policies and, as a um, as a general rule, you know the uh, the British uh, the British Parliament and British government has tended to be conservative for quite a while now, um, and so even even if there were some um, you know it's not necessarily Republican values, but if there were conservative values that were skewing the news or something like that, right? Those uh, it, it, you know. If you see it in the BBC, 
if it's already being skewed conservative by those conservative values, right? You, you can you can take that into effect, uh, take that into account. And when when I go and I look at how various stories in the media are being covered, I tend to see that the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC and the BBC are all telling mostly the same story, right? MSNBC will be will focus a little bit more on, you know, the dislike of Trump or whatever, right? Um, CNN tends to, to, in my opinion, I, I know that like Trump taught every Republican to hate CNN as some like crazy wild liberal bastion, but it's it's a it's super duper not. <laughs> the, in my opinion, CNN just goes for the sensationalism. They just go for the the ratings and the clicks, whatever will get that for them, um, right? Like, I mean, during the 2016 election, they interrupted existing programming to show an empty podium that Trump was not yet standing at for like over an hour waiting for him to come out, right? Like CNN is not bonding over backwards to give liberals a bunch of stuff they're just they're, they're taking whatever they can get for sensationalism at the moment but but rolling all that back right so stepping all that back i still find all of those various sources to generally be in agreement about what the facts of the story are and so i i think that's one of the things that can help determine where the biggest spin is happening right when i go and i look at the story on fox news and the story on uh, New York Times and the story on BBC, right? The New York Times and BBC tend to agree and Fox News doesn't. And so I think that's a pretty easy way to determine like when you're trying to figure out what the real story is, right? That's different perspectives from other countries and they tend to agree with what are quote unquote the liberal media and they're not really the liberal media. It's just, I don't know, that that's, that's one of the suggestions I would have for trying to overcome some of that distrust. How, and that's, and I, that's what I, I tell people. And that's what I try to do when I, you know, if I do consume any of it, which I'm doing less and less of. And my basis has always been, well, even no matter what side you may be on. Oh, how do you, yeah. How do you know? And I've always said left side, right side, you have to have some faith in the sources you're going to, because you don't, no, you believe what they're telling you is accurate, but you don't know. And maybe that's too, I don't want to not trust ever, but I'm getting to the point where I just don't trust and that you become a conspiracy theorist when you act like that. Yeah, I've been, I've been wondering if one of the aspects, at least for, for, for you, and so I'm going to, I'm going to put this idea out there. You tell me how, how well you think it might hit and maybe you have to think about it a while. Um, is that right? Because you were brought up in a certain environment, right? Your right, like conservative media, which is what you've had most access to, has taught you to distrust the liberal media. And maybe now that uh, when, when you're like stepping outside of that and you know hearing from other people, you're beginning to see some of the things that aren't necessarily as trustworthy on the conservative side of the media. And so instead of switching and saying, well, maybe the liberal media 
isn't wrong, you're just like, well, maybe they're both wrong now, right? You're still holding on to the conservative media taught me that liberal media is 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 wrong, and you accepted that, and you, but you're now starting to wonder if the conservative media is believable either. Yeah, they're lying to me as well. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair. That's a totally fair point. And that's yeah. where I think I am right now. So I have a, a natural distrust for anything I see anymore because I was a big fan of Limbaugh and Hannity and all the classic conservative mm-hmm. talk radio for 20 years. I consumed it daily. Right. I don't listen to, I mean, I'll tap in every now and again, just as I'm in my car driving around, I'll, I'll maybe just do a little you know, couple minute sip of what's going on, mm-hmm. but it's with I'm like, okay, well that, great it might be the story it might not be i don't get too butthurt about it anymore but <laughs> or spend too much time worrying about it anymore but well, i don't you know we've got to find our our get our information somewhere and tiktok's probably not and those are opinions i get it but that's probably not the best news source i mean it depends some of them are really good actually but <laughs> I, I think there's a there's also an important um separation that i think is good for the conversation which is there's a difference between acting in good faith and being wrong versus lying versus uh bsing i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best not to i'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to my, do my best to say bs this whole time if something slips through i apologize oh, i don't it's a fine there's we have no um there's no rules here uh and, and I don't know if you've ever heard the, the distinction between lying and BSing. There's a, a, a concept that was put out a couple of years ago that I think is a really great idea, which is that lying is knowing that you're saying that something is false and BSing is saying something where you don't care whether or not it's true or false, right? So like for, for me, um, Trump is mostly just BSing. Like, I think personally uh, that it's not like he's got a whole bunch of information in his head and he's saying like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to tell this lie and then they're going to do the thing, right? I don't think he's strategically thinking about it because I don't think that he can think strategically. I think he's just full id. He's just like, says whatever comes through his brain and he doesn't care whether or not it's true, he just says it. Like, I've got the biggest crowds in the whole world, whatever, right? You know. It's tremendous. I have tremendous crowds. Right, right. He's spent his entire life just constantly having to say that everything is amazing and incredible because he's try, tried to, you know, create this persona. And so, for like, for me, like, almost everything he says falls into the BS bucket. You know, not necessarily. He, so, it's a type of lying, right? He's, he's lying all the time. He's telling lies all the time. He just doesn't care. It's not like he's evilly like plotting his lies or anything but um now other people i think are but right like i said i think he's just all lizard brain (laughs) that's a fair that's honestly a fair point really and so and i think that's important but but the 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 big the important aspect of those like sort of three buckets was sometimes when i have discussions about you know conservative versus liberal media and whether or not you can trust i'll I'll get pushback from people who will point out times when liberal media got something wrong, right? And I think it's important that to distinguish between acting in good faith and getting something wrong versus 
lying or BSing, right? Saying something because you didn't care if it was true or not, or knowing that it's saying, even though you know it's uh, know it's false because you know that it will benefit you to say it, right? I think for the, I think for the most part, when, you know, the liberal media gets something wrong, they're acting in good faith. They just got it wrong, okay? Um, and I mean, like there's a, um, there's a, a, a story that's kind of going through the, the, the zeitgeist at the moment about a Supreme Court case or a, a case that is petitioning to the Supreme Court right now, which is a separation of church and state case. Um, and there was a, a, like a high school football coach who was praying on the 50 yard line uh, right after the games and getting students together. And the, the administration said, hey, hey man, you can go and like, you can pray, but don't like do it in your official capacity on the 50 yard line at the games, right? Like, you know, uh, just because the school as a public school, right? We can't, we, we have to have a separation of church and state. We can't have public school officials like creating a coercive environment with religion, right? Um, and that, so there, uh, I posted something on my Facebook about it, how the, the New York Times, I think, completely failed on this story. Uh, I think they, they got it wrong. I think the people who are doing it are acting in good faith. They just got, got it wrong. Um, I think it's that most of the people who are writing about the story are Christians themselves and don't really actively uh they're not necessarily using as as much um what's the word i want to say they're not being as skeptical as they should be when writing the story because it it, it um it's in their wheelhouse it's in their it's wheelhouse in their it agrees wheelhouse. with them or, or, or rather they, they feel you know a, um a kinship with it or whatever but yeah. I, I think they've wildly misreported that that story but because they kind of say oh well the the coach just wanted to pray on his own, but it's not right. He wanted to pray on the 50 yard line with all the students around him and, you know, <laughs> like at the game kind of thing. So, um, so that's right. That's an example is like, I, I don't have a problem calling out quote unquote my side when they get stuff wrong, but it's important to distinguish between good faith being wrong, lying and BSing. Yep. All right. Hold that thought. Okay, and we're back. The uh, the 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 Supreme Court case with that coach praying on the fifty yard line as a Christian, I I almost see that. You know, Christ did say at one point, like, "Let not thy right hand know what the left hand's doing." Meaning, if you're doing that, pray, or maybe I don't know, maybe praying with his team in the locker room where it's more private doesn't matter where you pray to god he hears it the same doing it on the 50 yard line is almost trying to get the praise of man for doing that well and i mean i would say praying in the locker room is just as bad like i i understand from yeah. a, a a spiritual perspective you know that doing it doing it publicly uh corrupts the intention of it right but from a separation of church and state situation, then yeah, that bringing the locker room still creates the same coercive environment, right? Because say, let's say you're, you know, you're a kid on the team, you're Jewish or you're an atheist or you're a Muslim, right? And 
if you don't pray, is coach not going to put you in next game? Right. Like there's a coercive environment to it. It's a, it's a fair, it's a fair concern, a fair argument someone could make for sure. Right. <clears throat> and that could, you know, I guess that could be argued forever, but so where is that one? Well, we don't want to get. Well, I, that it's uh, it, the, um, I believe it was the ninth, the ninth circuit ruled in favor of the public school saying, yes, the coach can't do that. Uh, and the coach's lawyers are currently, applying for cert to the uh, Supreme Court to try to get the Supreme Court to hear it. And I'm very worried that they're going to take it because I think it, I think a current Supreme Court has made it abundantly clear that they would like to uh, tear down a bunch of that, uh, that wall of separation between church and state. Yeah. Do, do you believe in separation of church and state? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, okay, let me, let me, I'll go back even further. Uh, the founding fathers, the constitution that rings very true to me. So mm -hmm. I either follow it. I, I don't want to cherry pick it and say, well, I like this one because it suits me and this one. And I don't like this one because it doesn't suit me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a slippery slope. That's, that's good to hear. I know that a lot of people have a misunderstanding about the separation of church and state. Like, in over the years when i've had discussions of people you know they'll push back and say oh well you know separation of church separation of church and state is never mentioned in the constitution right but while those exact words aren't right the the first amendment very clearly puts out puts together the separation of church and state because it has two there are two clauses in the first amendment that relate to religion uh one of them is the establishment clause which is the uh that Congress shall make no law establishing right, a, a religion. Or the exercise or, yeah, right. thereof. And the second one is the free exercise clause, right? Or uh, abridging the free exercise thereof, right? And I think it's really important that that, that first one, that established one, establishment, that's the freedom from. Here, let's do this. Let's, I have it here in front of me. Cool. Actually, great. I have my little, I'll read it for, for those who, I, I have this here because I don't know it and I need to learn it. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to or right of the peace right of the people peaceably to assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievances. Right. And so that first part is freedom from religion. Right. So that's the government can't establish the religion. I'm, yeah. I'm allowed to be free from the religion. Right. And the worship, however, I please. Well, that's the second clause. Yeah. Right. The free exercise clause. That's yeah. the uh, prohibit will not prohibit the free exercise thereof. Right. That's the freedom of religion. And I think it's really important that people recognize that not that, that not only is freedom from religion listed before freedom of religion that freedom from religion is the very first thing in the first amendment it comes it's freedom from religion then freedom of religion then freedom of speech press assembly petition yeah right i think that's really important most people don't realize that well it makes sense yeah and so i uh I, I worry that the the Supreme Court is uh, looking to tear down tear down a lot of that wall. You want a new a new topic? Sure. We're continuing on this road. 
Sure, what you got? Um, well, yeah, let's talk about you're an atheist, right? Yes. I am Christian. I haven't been, I've only been for half my life. Tell me why you are an atheist and go back to you were raised Jehovah's Witness, correct? Yes. If I remember. A, a type of Christian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell me your story, how you came to, you were raised with that. Now you don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Religion at all. Tell me how I want to, that. I want to know that. Let's unpack that story a little bit. Sure. Um, so it is. So yeah, I was raised, uh, raised as, uh, in Jehovah's Witnesses. And one, one misconception that sometimes uh, people have when they find out that I'm an atheist now, and I was a witness back then, is that, oh, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses are very uh, like oppressive, very strict in the rules. And so that's why you didn't like it. And so you went the other way. But that's, that's not how it was for me. Like I was, I was, a, I was a true believer. I, I accepted and believed the very strict rules that they had, etc. The the basic idea was that uh, when j- just as I was finishing up high school, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which is the uh, corporate organization behind uh, Jehovah, the Jehovah's Witnesses religion, decided that, um, that previously they had explicitly suggested against. Right? They, they they told people it's bad. Don't don't go to college. It's a bad influence. Okay. But it was getting more and more difficult for people to support families without a college education. And so they shifted the advice from don't do it, it's a bad idea to what they call a conscience decision where, okay, because it's getting more and more difficult to support a family and we want you to be able to support a family, if you have to go to college, you know, go ahead, but just try to be careful. And um, they were, you know, they were they were right to try to prevent other witnesses from going to college because essentially, right, it takes you outside of the bubble, right? You 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 know, you understand what it's like living in you know a, a, a an LDS bubble, right? And living in a Mormon bubble, right? Once you get outside of the bubble, uh, you learn different things and see different things, and right. So one, once I got to college, I was still devout, and I would run into a piece of information in one of my classes that felt like it contradicted my religious belief. And so I would take it and I would think about it and I would pray about it. And I would come to one of three uh, positions on it. But one, I would decide that the, that secular teaching was correct, or I would, like, I would decide that the, my religious teaching was correct or I would decide that they were not mutually exclusive and I could hold them both together. Um, and so like when I ran into this first one, that kind of, it, it landed in the, the, well, that one, that one, I could have, I could hold both of these and over and over again, that happened, that, that would happen. And I was either the, the new things that I was learning and experiencing would either fall into the, I can hold these both or the secular one is correct. And it basically was taking little slices. If I can imagine my religious belief is like spectrum, I was taking tiny little slices out of it over and over again. And when I basically looked back, you know, eight years later, someone, someone asked me, you know, like, hey, what religion are you? And I stopped because I was about to say Jehovah's Witness. And then my brain said, hey, dude, no, that's not true. Um, <laughs> and, I, and then I was like, should I say Christian? And then I looked at it and I'm like, well, I'm not sure that that's true either. 
right? And the person who had asked me said like, hey man, that's not supposed to be a hard question, you know? <laughs> but when, when that happened, I, and, and I sort of realized that I had kind of slowly sliced out almost every tiny little bit of it, I, I sat down to try to think about why I believed in general, why did I believe to start with, right? And the easy answer was that was what I was taught, right? That's what my, parent, that's what my parents taught me. And so it was effectively an authority thing, right? I believed it because the people that I trusted, yeah, the people I trusted believed it, right? And then, you know, I tried to take it back, step it back from there and like, well, you know, the elders in the congregation, I trust them too, and this type of thing. And eventually, you know, even if I peel all those things away, I eventually had to come to the uh, to the understanding that if I'm going to believe this separate from any person, I'm going to have to believe it because I believe what the Bible says. And I didn't have any reason to believe that the what the Bible said was correct, right? Like I was trying to figure out, well, how do I double check it, right? We were talking about distrusting our media, right? (laughs) Yeah. Try to how do how do I try to 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 check it to find out if it's right? And basically, any time I did, I I I would find kind of over and over again that I'm not sure that this was really reliable. And the more and more I I looked at it, I was like, "Uh, yeah, you know the. So that that's that's why is I if I, I think that if people if Christians would read the Bible, but try to do it from the perspective of someone who doesn't inherently believe everything that it says, I think the stories appear very different. If you try to actually read what it says and not gloss over it with some of the, what are called apologetics, right? Things that people try to, uh, that the, you know, pastors or um, ministers or uh, uh, elders will describe oh this is what that means right if you try to look at see what it actually says you'll find that it doesn't really match up with that and so that was kind of what you know eventually led me uh when it when it came down to it after i had gone through all that process i what i decided to do was perform kind of an experiment with myself and i i decided to behave as if there was no god and see what happened and like a month later when I looked back, I was like, oh, there was no change in my behavior. <laughs> like, how, how, mm-hmm. how drastically did you change your behavior? No, I'm saying there was no change in my behavior. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. There was no change. And I realized, right. Because sort of like from a day-to-day on a day-to-day perspective, there wasn't really anything uh, that I was expecting to do. You know, I, I, uh, I wasn't expecting God to intervene on my behalf on a daily basis or anything like that. Right. And so, yeah, I, you know, I kind of performed the experiment just to see what it would feel like. And I'm like, it felt like everything else. So. So, well, I guess my behavior changed. Sorry. Mm -hmm. What did you stop doing? You were Christian Jehovah's witness at this point. And then you, you changed that or turned that off and life didn't change. But so what, what were you not doing? Well, so I had, I had stopped. I, yeah, yeah, sure. I had stopped doing Jehovah's Witness things quite a long time before okay. then. Uh, basically, the I had kind of I had stopped attending um, when I was in college, and that was honestly because I I had some bad experiences with uh, with just the people where 
um so like i didn't I, I got you know wrapped up in finals and so uh i like in my freshman year and so i i hadn't been to uh i hadn't been to the meeting which is what joe's witness is called going to church right yeah. i hadn't been to the meeting in, in like a month okay and normally you're supposed to go three times a week <laughs> so uh when i showed back up i'm sure the the brothers and sisters were trying to be very friendly and loving and warm and accepting but what it ended up happening is that every single member of the 80 to 100 person, you know, a congregation said, oh, hey, Kenny, it's good to see you. It's been a while. Right. And so it was like, here's you're like, hi, welcome. Here's a little guilt trip for you. Right. Like, welcome. <laughs> here's a little guilt trip for you. And so the next time it made yeah. it much harder to go back. Right. Just because I didn't want to have to deal with it. You know, <laughs> right? yeah. but um. Uh, and then, so yeah, once I wasn't having the three times a week reinforcement guilt trip, um, or just, or the, the, the three times a week reinforcement of the beliefs, okay, right. Gotcha. Uh, it was, uh, easier and you know, easier to see it from the outside, right. Um, realizing, Hey, that maybe that, that didn't make sense. Like, uh, 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 uh like an example, um, uh, according to your understanding, and I know you're not an expert, but according to your understanding, the 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 snake or the serpent or whatever, like the serpent that tempted Eve, who was that, or what was that, right? Is that well, most Christians consider that to be Satan? Satan, right? yeah, and, that's kind of right, the general Satan. understanding, yeah. But if you read the story, uh, once once God comes back in and starts dishing out punishments, right, for things. Um, the snake, the serpent gets punished, right? Yes. And the, the punishment in the book says that, uh, you're going to have to crawl on your belly and you'll be at enmity with, you know, man, and you will bite his foot and he will crush your head. And, yeah. yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the idea, if you look at it from the outside is okay. One, the serpent that tempted Eve was really just um, a snake or a serpent or something like that. And it wasn't Satan at all. Two, it was, a, it, you know, like the serpent was a serpent and Satan possessed it, right? Like sort of took control of it and spoke through its mouth. Or let's say Satan polymorphed into the shape of a serpent and then talked to Eve, right? But if that's, but, but uh, like the, the first one, would make sense the first one which is, which is that it was the serpent itself and it wasn't satan at all that one would make sense to get punished because okay god punishes the serpent because the serpent is the one who actually did the thing but that's not what mainstream christianity understands they believe that it's one of the two other options that either that it was satan doing it so it was either satan shaped like a serpent or satan possessing a serpent but satan didn't get punished the serpent did, right? Sure, there's supposed to be some punishments for Satan later on in Revelation, but the serpent got punished. But if the serpent was either possessed or the serpent didn't exist and was because it was just uh, the devil shapeshifted, why should the serpent get punished? Right? So that story doesn't make sense within the way that most Christians understand the story to take place. So it was things like that. Like, I think that if you read the stories, from the perspective of the outside. So you don't go in assuming they're all true. They read very differently, right? So God punished Adam, God punished Eve, God punished the serpent. 
no punishment for Satan in Genesis. <laughs> right? So like, to me, that sounds like it was a different story that got co-opted later. That got like the story, the concept, concept of it got changed later. That's how that reads to me. Well, if you think of all the thousands of years and translations, I mean, things not, you know, the original intent, maybe not arriving, you know, mm -hmm. to, to today makes sense. Sure. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you know, a strong, a strong understanding that what that Adam and Eve right in the in the like the original Hebrew aren't intended to be actual people they're just intended to be the concept of man and woman right it's intended to be like humanity right the sort of generic progenitors and I, I think that other parts of the story bear that out for example uh, the Genesis says that Cain got his wife from the land of Nod so there were other people then and like were those oh those yeah, right, yeah nod, where did they come yeah. from then <laughs> right, like, yeah right. yeah there's contradictions you're like wait a minute uh you know because if they did if there weren't other people then uh did there he? was only one woman around and that was eve and now we're moving into our incest so right, and, oh yeah you can, weird you, if you get specific right you, no, you can go down that road like <clears throat> wait a minute okay yeah. um you know most people don't realize that uh genesis actually talks about god's wife right yeah that's kind of an alien concept to most people but it does and that's because i think if you read uh the early the early books okay uh, primarily genesis because that's where most of the m most of what people know about um the bible actually is just genesis <laughs> or, the, creation, or like, the creation story right, the, the creation story but also yeah. like so meant so much of the stuff right yeah uh, but anyway i think if you read it as if it's a Greek pantheon where it's not just a single God, but there's actually a bunch of gods mm -hmm. and they all have their own different personalities. I think the story makes a lot more sense. For example, uh, God comes to Moses and says, Hey, I need you to head down to Egypt and, you know, talk to the Pharaoh, get him to let my people go. So Moses packs up and is on his way down. And then while he's on the road, stopped at an inn, God attacks him tries to kill him and Moses's wife cuts like circumcises their son and casts a spell and uses the skin and touches God's foot or whatever it is to like and stops the fight okay it doesn't make any sense if God is if the God in the story that they're talking about is actually just one person because why would he say hey Moses go down there and then try to stab him in the back but it would make a lot more sense if it was like Zeus told you, hey, go down to Egypt and do this thing. And then Ares came along and said, oh, no, you don't. Stabby stab, right? Like the story makes a lot more sense that way. Um, and there's historical evidence to potentially support that, which is what like the uh, the Levites later on tried to rewrite a bunch of the old books to make it monotheistic and remove the other gods. But they missed a few, for example, like God's wife, Asherah which is who's specifically named in the Bible as God's wife, yeah. <laughs> things like that. So that's how I got here was, was I started looking at it and tried to seeing it from the outside perspective and it started making less and less sense. My guess is the same Kenny that was pre atheism is the same one. Now didn't change your character. Right. 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 I, were I, your, were your family or your parents, did they struggle with that? 
struggle with me leaving or, yeah. or yes yes my dad was an elder in the congregation um at least earlier in my life and so he was in okay in mormon terms everybody basically who's been accepted as a, an elder right like uh all all the people who go door to door are also elders right so no, uh, sorry, i don't sorry. know what's the next level above that <laughs> high priest sure okay high priest so in 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 jehovah's witnesses there's uh everybody you know the the general, the congregation. Lady, the general, the, the general congregation and then sort of one step above that are what we call ministerial servants who kind of help out, take care of a lot of the administrative stuff. And then the elders are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the full congregation. Right. Got it. So yeah. Um, now my, my whole family has eventually left, uh, uh, left Jehovah's witnesses. They didn't all become atheists or anything. Um, I think I'm only one other, maybe two others did. Um, and uh, hopefully I had a hand in that. Uh, <laughs> But well, you at least presented an idea, and they like say, I don't think you can sell an idea, you can right. People have to purchase it, correct? To see the value in it and purchase it, right? And and like I said, since I said, since I feel like if you just point it out, if you can see it from the other perspective, it tends to fall apart on its own, and so I point it out, yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, they they struggled, they struggled with it, um. At the, they, they, once they started knowing, once they started hearing about, you know, uh, once they became aware that, that I was an atheist, they were already starting to have their own particular problems with Jehovah's Witnesses itself. And they ended up, you know, leaving that, but still being Christian. Yeah. Um, my old congregation didn't do well with it. <laughs> I, I sent a, I sent a letter to my old congregation just to let them know because I was still technically on the books as a witness. And so I, I wrote them out a letter and say, hey, I don't believe in you more. You can take me off the list, that kind of stuff. And uh, one of the one of the elders that I knew as a kid contacted my sister because he didn't know how to really get in contact with me. Um, I didn't put a return address on it. Uh, and so, but, but get, got a hold of my sister and said, hey, we just got this weird letter from Kenny and it doesn't sound like him at all uh can, like do you know what might be going on and my sister was like oh yeah that was definitely him he's an atheist and and they're like hmm i don't know i think we're just going to hold on to this letter for now so i may still be on the books i don't know uh yeah that's but, funny yeah well yeah and, you, and you're again you're probably still the same guy it it, it, it i, I uh, hope that i'm better i well, mean yes but general character you are the same Right. And Dude. my, my wife likes to say that my, my dad made me an atheist. My dad, my dad was, was completely devout and was to his dying day. Um, but he, he taught me the, uh, as a, as a kid, he taught me like, uh, the idea, like the ideas of rational thought, logical thought, like try to put the pieces together. That was the thing that he liked about Jehovah's witnesses was they had a lot of really good answers for things. You know, I, Again, once I got out, I don't think those answers were great. But to him, within that world, that's how they converted him. Was that yeah. he had a bunch? He was a he was a Christian his whole life, and he had some questions about things. And the brothers from the congregation were able to answer it for him, and so that's why he converted. Yeah. So he always taught me the value of knowing those things. And then, so I he he taught me to value that kind of thinking. And then once I went to college to get a degree in engineering, they really really teach you like strict logical thinking and when i put those two things together that was what 
eventually led me out. So that's why my my wife likes to joke that it was my dad who's the one who made me an atheist. It's perfect. We taught you how to think. Yeah. Which is good. Oh, yeah. that's very cool. Okay. Cool mm-hmm. story. Well, I'll tell my little story getting into this. Because you got out, I'm in. Right. Uh, I wasn't Oop. raised with anything. I had no faith at all. Didn't didn't go to any family, wasn't anything. But I think what made me curious is I lived out in the middle of nowhere in Northern California in a tiny, tiny town. And at night, you could see every star out there. It was, it's mind blowing how, how, you know, this, what the night sky looks like. And I always looked at that and thought, there has to be something. It's just instant, it's instinctively felt like there had to be something bigger and you know, out there bigger than us because that's a colossal waste of space otherwise if there wasn't so that's that but i didn't do anything i didn't i just lived my life and and then and then i came to uh utah state for after college um i know that my brain works differently than most people um which is probably a good thing I, I tend to call myself a little neuroatypical, which is a term I've learned, you know, in the last couple of years. But, um, you know, when I, when I was a, a true believer and people would talk to me about, you know, the, the awe and beauty of the, you know, the galaxy or the trees Universe, or whatever, yeah, or nature, that hit me 0%. That didn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, because to me, God can do anything. So that's easy, right? Like I, it was the equivalent of saying, you know, like, okay, you brought in Picasso and they drew a little stick figure and you're like, Ooh, that's amazing. Like it's no, it's not right. Because Picasso can do, that's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So again, I know that's a weird way to look at it. And most even like even most current believers would not necessarily connect with that, but so I didn't actually find awe looking out into the universe until I stopped believing in God. Um, and yes, I believe that the universe is a colossal waste of space. <laughs> it's just like, what is, and we can't, my theory is we can't be the only ones in it. I mean, statistically, it's, it's unlikely, but it's also really statistically unlikely we'll ever meet them. Yeah. Because not only do they need to exist during the same time that we do, they have to reach a certain level of technology to be able to communicate out to you know other other civilizations, and they have to do it at the same time that we're at the level of technology where we can receive those messages, but not actually because they don't need to be. Uh, communicating at the same time we have that technology, they need to be communicating to us at the uh, at that level of technology. Uh, you know, uh, two hundred and forty thousand years ago, for those radio signals to have made it all the way to us now, when we have the right thing, so they may have already existed and gone extinct by the time we hear their message, or. And that's just because that's our understanding of how technology. So maybe if there's other people, things, beings, maybe they don't need any of the things you just described. Sure. You maybe could, this is a sign. 
this is like you could write for movies man yeah maybe they've got warp drive i totally get so, it something right but thinking about space they, they, and light years and that i can't even get my head around that so i don't even really try <laughs> uh -huh. it's like trying to think of eternal things and life after death which i believe I'm not gonna hyper focus on it because there's not much i can do until i'm there i guess so i don't really get too involved in trying to figure it out it's like trying to figure out where you got a cold uh -huh. okay well that could be a myriad of <laughs> reasons so why waste the energy to, to get there anyway so um all right back to my story where was i at uh stars. you were looking, you were in the north northern california looking at the stars, stars yes and and i went to i went to utah state it was the only school that accepted me out of all the ones I applied to for the certain program I was going into. It was, it was top 10 in the country. So I went there and found out about these Mormons who I kind of knew existed. I think I had some friends in high school and some teachers that were, but I didn't know what that meant. And I, so I, there were, you know, of course, missionaries everywhere around campus and, you know, it's Utah, they're, they're everywhere. And I, after about four years of there, I wanted to know, about these people, what made them tick. I've always been interested in, you know, people and what makes them do the things they do. So I, I reached out to, or no, two, uh, two sister missionaries came to my apartment to see my roommate. And then he kind of blew them off and didn't want to talk to them. And they were cute and that didn't hurt things. So I invited them in. And this is a very Reader's Digest version, short story of this, on how I got into this. And they were asking me, but the first, the things they were telling me about the history of the church seemed very familiar to me, even though I knew nothing about it. It all seemed very familiar and easy to get my head around. And so it made sense. And then they asked me, will you pray about getting baptized? And I said, why do I need to do that? Because I, I thought a lot, I was very analytical like you too at some point. I don't need to do that. That's whatever. And they said, will you just try it? And it was just a simple little faith exercise. And I just literally got down on my knees and said, is this what I'm supposed to do? And I had a, probably the most powerful spiritual feeling or experience I've ever had in my life. Never have had it since then, that powerful. But that told me, all right, this is legit. This is something you should do. And I joke that I've been trying to get out for 26 years, but I can't seem to shake it. Cause it's working for me. It works. And, and so that's why I'm, it makes, it makes sense to me. Uh, and I heard a great explanation about religion from Bill O'Reilly. I don't know if you're probably not a big fan of Bill O'Reilly. Remember I'm him from, fan, no. uh, but he did say this. He said, if I've lived my life thinking that there, that God exists, that Christ exists, there is an afterlife and when I die, I get to live with them forever and eternal bliss or whatever you want to call it. And I've tried to be better and be kinder to people. And at the end of the day, if I'm wrong, when I die, what's the downside? Is that made that rang true to me? So that's why I'm, that's how I got into this. And it's working. Sure. Fair enough. The, and I like the idea um, of if I try to be, if I try to be good, right, and then by by the end of it, if there are there's there's an old uh, 
uh, an old Roman quote, I think, right? That was very similar to that, um, uh, Marcus Aurelius, I think. But, but it was like, if just try to be a good person. And uh, if it turns out that God exists and is just, then you, you'll be welcomed in. And if uh, God you know, doesn't exist, then it, you will still have spent a you good life. You will still have lived a good life. And if God does exist and is unjust, then they're not worthy of worship anyway. Um, but I would say that, so for me, the idea of living a good life and then what's the, what's the downside is great. Uh, for me personally, I think that a lot of the guidelines that want that, that a lot of Christians are supposed to live their lives by interfere with living a good life. Right. Like, like what? Like, give me an example. Uh, like, you know, being, uh, if you look at one of the reasons why church attendance is down uh, every single year, down further and further every single year, especially among younger generations, is are things like, like bad anti LGBTQ stances, right? The like anti gay stuff. And I mean, that that's where we, we, we see a lot of um, intersection between politics and religion. And at those intersections, it's usually conservative Christians trying to hold back, you know, like, I know if I use the word progress, people aren't going to listen to it. But right, it, it seems like those things are they're trying to uphold. No, we don't want gay people to get married. And we don't want gay people to have the same rights as everybody else. And so I like the idea of if I live my life as a good life, then you know, I've made the best bet I can for the afterlife if there is one. And I think that that's true for me as well. I just think that sometimes that, that, that there, that there are costs to living a life according to rules, potentially written down a very, very long time ago by people who didn't understand how the world worked. <laughs> or at the time or, or how the world was going to evolve, I guess. Sure. Yeah, or, or even how the world worked at the time, but yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's a fair. And and I, I don't know how well you are. You're familiar with the Ten Commandments. Yep. Or, or maybe or the second uh, all, the all, second all, commandment. All, all four versions of it. Yeah. All four versions. Yeah, exactly. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. To me, that has that rings most true to me, and that's how I've tried to always live. I agree. And, and I to, think a lot of Christians don't. Or either, or they, maybe they think they are. Sure. But it's hard. It's hard. And that's again, what know. I'm trying to do is I, I want, you know, with my show, for example, and I know, you know, you and I've talked before and people a long time ago used to say, why do you talk to Kenny? He's mm -hmm. such a jerk. And he always argues, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And my answer then and still is is because Kenny's not a bomb thrower and he's respectful. And while I may not on the surface agree with whatever policy we're talking about, mm -hmm. I enjoy the discussion because it stretches me. Right. I don't know if talking to me stretches you probably dumbs you down a little bit, <laughs> but, um, and that's my philosophy. I'm thinking in mind because I want to get to know him and what makes him tick and 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 learn about in fact my i have a daughter who's queer mm -hmm. just recently announced it so i am diving into that world 
as awkward as it is for me, I'm trying to understand the little world she says she's part of now. And transgender is a world I do not understand. So I am diving into that, listening to podcasts, inviting people on to understand. At the very least, I may think it's completely crazy. But at the very least, I'm trying to understand them as a human, put the human element into it. Mm -hmm. So I can, it helps me. If it's uncomfortable, it's probably good. So it helps sure. me learn. As a Christian, that's what I'm trying to do. That, that sort of guilt by association. And so, you know, the like, uh, uh, lo, lo, you know, lo, loving thy neighbor, sure, is a great, uh, a great concept. And I think, ever, and, and I think everyone should. But like, you know, when I see a lot of conservative Christians, that's, they're not, they, as you say, they think they are, but uh, they're, they're not really so keen on it when maybe they're, you know, like not the same skin color and they're from south of the border, right? Like, <clears throat> I feel like those people are our neighbors and if they need help, we should be helping them. Or like, you, you know, like refugees from Ukraine or Syria or, uh, you know, Syria a few years ago, right? Ukraine now. Afghanistan. These people are, should be our, uh, considered our neighbors as well. And yet it's not really the people who I hear banging their Christian drum the loudest are usually the ones who are saying don't bring those people here kind of a thing so there is i think there is going to be some guilt by association right you do like i feel like people do have to carry a bit of that responsibility by being part of an organization um and especially if they're financially supporting that organization then i think it's very clearly you know that that a person has to carry that responsibility Okay. Am I making you uncomfortable? Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 And, and if you are, it's okay. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, uh, it stretches the soul a little, but no, I, I, you're, that, that's a fair, it's a fair position. Yeah. There's some parts of the past that don't make sense to me. Had, had those things still been occurring when I decided to join, I may not have, <clears throat> but, that's not occurring anymore. So I'm okay with it right now. So it's growth is important. I, I support that. I'm with it. You know, yeah, yeah it's a, um, I know that, uh, right. Organizations that uh, I, you know, align myself with or groups that I align myself with, you know, can very well have done bad things in the past. As long as we're making, as long as we're trying to be better and improve things, I'm okay with that. That, that I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Everybody's growing and learning and becoming better and the journey <clears throat> organizations individually everyone's on a path and hopefully trying to be better every day you know, I, you know we all need to give each other the grace to grow and to change and to, and to shift which sometimes we don't do because of the cancel culture right oh yeah Is that a good segue? Ooh. Ooh, let's do some cancel culture cancel culture that's that's all. Like I say, I think we need to do a series here, man. I don't hey, know. man, I would love to talk about some cancel culture. Okay. Conservatives are the kings of cancel culture. That's, that's, I would be going to talk all about it. It's uh, and then and then if you talk to someone in the conservative camp, they'd be like, "It's them damn libs." Mm -hmm. oh, the name calling drives me crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah, the cancel uh, culture. Uh, the name fell right out of my head. The, uh, the Dixie Chicks would like to have a discussion with you about whether or not conservatives are all about cancel culture. Yes, the Dixie <laughs> Chicks. I remember that. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Remember the uh, like when uh, I wasn't allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid because the conservatives said it was the, the devil. Are you serious? Oh yeah. You were Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you don't remember the whole satanic panic well, in the early 80s? So I wasn't really into no, I don't for some reason. Oh come uh, on. I, I've heard your music tastes. You were definitely listening to the devil's music. Which which devil? <laughs> in your in your other episodes when you ta- talked about your uh, your taste in music, I was like, oh, that's surprising. I didn't expect him to be listening to Def Leppard or whatever it was. Def Leppard. <clears throat> They're the best, man. Nailed it. Um I love it. No, yeah, yeah. The uh so okay, cancel culture. Um, general uh, the the uh, the general concept. We should we should go back to the original, defining our terms. De- definition. Definition. What does it mean? What does it mean? Okay. Yeah. What does it mean to you? It means to me that if you disagree with someone, then you want them silenced. That's what it means to me. Okay. Instead of letting the idea flourish and let let the market decide if the idea is good or not, eliminate it. Okay. Uh, I I would say that. We are almost exactly in agreement on that. Okay. With one small change. Instead of silenced. What's that? Set me straight. Okay. I would say instead of silenced, replace that with, if I disagree with you, I don't want to give you a microphone. Isn't that in essence silencing somebody? Not giving them a platform? No, it is not. Because just because um, it's like, um, just because I don't let you into my house doesn't mean that you can't go into anybody's house. Okay. Like, a yeah, bunch of the people who are being complained or who are complaining about being canceled are doing it to their, um, you know, 12 million Twitter followers and they're doing it on the nightly, you know, like nightly Fox channels, right? They're talking about how they're canceled with their, you know, 20 million viewer Netflix special, right? It's, they're not being silenced, right? It's just that. So, and I, I would actually, I would actually make one other change, which is it's not disagreement. Okay. It's not just disagreement. You and I disagree. Okay. The, the, the point where we want to quote unquote cancel people is where the speech becomes destructive, where it's not just a disagreement, right? We can have our, as, as we say, the, the you know, um, civil disagreement. Uh, but when, if, if our quote unquote disagreement steps over into the position that you don't think that I should exist as a person, Right. That's no longer a disagreement. That's not Correct. a chocolate versus vanilla. Yeah. Right. Correct. Um, you know, like uh, back in the 90s, uh, George H.W. Bush, the first Bush, right, he got asked by some journalist whether or not he thought uh, atheists should have, uh, you know, like rights like, as an American. And H.W. Bush said that, no, he didn't think that atheists should be considered citizens because you have to believe. Wow. Right. And I didn't know that. Yeah, like, um, you know, that kind of speech, I don't think that that steps over a line. That crosses the line for sure. I agree. Right. That's not just a disagreement. That's not just a chocolate versus vanilla. Right. That's saying, like, I should that's be harmful. excluded from society. Right. That's that's the beginning of a you know, genocide and, or something. Right. Like that. And so it's that extreme, that extreme language. And nowadays, where you're generally hearing about the, you know, cancel culture with, people who are saying either like racist stuff or anti-LGBT stuff, right? And I, I think you'll like this, but I think it's more appropriately referred to as consequence culture, okay? Well, you no, have, I, your, I, I like you have your free speech. Like, you could say whatever you want, but you're not free from the consequences. Actions have consequences. No, I like that. 
Okay. So like this usually started up and it got most of its press on like college campuses where students were trying to like prevent speakers from speaking, shouting them down. Right. Um, and that's where it comes back to the microphone, right? It's not like we're, we're you know, like those students weren't saying uh, you can't go somewhere else and talk all you want, but you just can't come into my house and say those things, right? We're just not going to invite you and give you a platform, right? We're not going to put you up on a, on a stage, up on a platform and give you a microphone to say your stuff, right? And so that's the difference is silencing is actively stopping you from talking and deplatforming is just not giving you a forum to spread your stuff farther. You can go find other forums. I'm just not going to give you the one that I control. It's the Trump Twitter thing. That's a perfect example. Right. Where because they, and it's, he can it's, still go anywhere and he, talk. And which, he just he's done. He's created a whole new network. So he can, right. which is not there. No, that makes sense. Right. Exactly. Right. He's not, he's still got all this free speech. He could still go on Fox News probably anytime he wants to, right? You can probably call him up and there's at least one of the hosts that'll be given some time, right? Yeah. So he's got a huge microphone. He just lost the one microphone from Twitter, right? Yeah. If you imagine they, like those old school news reports where you had like 14 different microphones in front of you, yeah. you know, it's just they, they took the one away. They took that, that one, one microphone yeah. away. That was all that happened. So consequence culture. I like that. Yeah. That is I good. I thought you would. I thought you would. No, that, that, that's taking it because i've said something i've said things like that but never labeled it like that mm -hmm. yeah like you can do and whatever you want but there are consequences there to are con doing there are consequences. right it's the it is the free it is very much the free market of ideas right the very thing that you wanted which is well if your ideas suck we're going to stop listening to you we're going to stop giving you space to say your stuff because it sucks right like <laughs> yeah okay that is the free market yeah. Right. Okay. That was easy. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. Next topic. <laughs> one more. One more and we'll wrap this one up. We'll wrap this episode up. Okay. What you got? I want you to, you give me something. Um, what were the ones we were talking about? Nobody, Nobody wants, wants to work, to work anymore. anymore. Nobody wants to work anymore. Yes. There we go. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, no. You know. Ah. Oh, you want to do a different one? Billionaire one. That's interesting. Oh, billionaires shouldn't exist. Oh, I can talk yeah. about that one too. Let me think which is which has got more meat in it. Both of them. Nobody wants to work. The nobody wants to work anymore. Let's let's touch let's let's tackle that for a second. Cool. Um, so I, I I added this one to our list of po possible, you know, hot button topics to to jump on. Uh, because I heard you say it in one of your previous episodes. Um, you were talking about uh, I think the company you work for and how I, I my my memory on it might be vague, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but that uh uh, sometimes you were having, like the company was having trouble getting stuff done because there were other companies who were like poaching the workers, giving them, you know, like a higher wage and yeah. And so when I heard that, I thought to myself, it's not that they don't want to work. It's that they don't want to work for crappy wages, or I'm not saying that your stuff was crappy. Your, your, your company's wages were crappy, but they got better from somewhere else. It's not that they didn't want to work. They wanted to work for more money. And I think that's very reasonable. <laughs> well, no, that, yeah. And I had, I was at a restaurant, I was at Chili's the other day and the waiter, he was probably 40 and the restaurant was like struggling that night. They were understaffed and somehow that the essential work, who the essential workers are, right? That suddenly we could like, 
you desperately still need me to come in and you're still paying me crappy wages, even though we have to deal with all this stuff, maybe I'm just going to go find a different thing to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that companies haven't adjusted yet. They haven't realized that they need to take care of those people because the workers are the ones who actually make the money, right? Yeah. They're the ones who where the profit comes through because without them, nothing happens. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to have like our previous generation had unions during our generations, the unions were getting busted and dismantled quite a bit. There's very few unions now for this next generation. And I think that shows, um, I know that people always complain like conservatives especially complain about like the corruption of the union leadership, but man, there's corruption at every organization where it gets over a certain size. Right. But the unions helped make sure that the workers were getting paid appropriately so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like, uh, well, it, then it, it would be fair to say some people don't want to work. Not everybody. I think it's there's a real small, real small yeah. edge case fraction of a minority. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of talk, all these people getting the government stimmies. That's not, you know, that's been turned off. Where, where are they? How come nobody wants to work? Cause I see that's a lot of the, the, the discussions that I hear. Right. Do you, I mean, do you, but but do you know how small unemployment is? What's well, a joke? It's it's unemployment a joke, is designed. Right? Okay, it, I'll, just a little history lesson. Uh, for me, you know, just me. Ten years ago, my wife and I had our own business, and we lost it. Got hammered, literally lost it almost overnight. And we tapped into the food stamp program, the LDS Church Welfare System for a time. We tapped into those for what they were designed for. But I know that do like workforce services, unemployment is a joke because it gives you just enough to be dependent and it, it should be over. It should overlap with you. You should get it while you have a job for a time and then get off of it. But the moment you get a job, it seems they take it. So it's almost, it's almost making you dependent on that system. Well, so I think, I think that's a story that, I think that's a story that gets told a lot, but I don't think that actually matches up I, with the real numbers. I experienced, that's the way I experienced it. Whenever I try to get, like I said, can I have this while I'm working? I said, no, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That part. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yes. Once you get a job, yeah, they don't, they don't provide that, but it's because the job is supposed to pay you more. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, the idea of that that people then stay just want just want to stay on it that's the part i mean sorry if i wasn't clear that's the part that doesn't really match up like the actual numbers the vast overwhelming overwhelming majority of people who are on these things are on it very temporarily yeah just for right. what it was designed for <clears throat> yeah to give and, a, give give a hand up you know it was on your feet it's a safety net right yeah. um and so you know when when the the pandemic hit and people were like unable to go to work and or losing their jobs because businesses went out of business, uh, you know, close their doors. It's not like people were just living the good life on, on unemployment. No, they were struggling on peanuts day to day. Right. And they desperately did want to work. It was just that, Hey man, I, I do need you to actually pay me enough to cover my rent and groceries. Right. Like, yeah. And, and this isn't, this isn't an issue of, oh, well, they're all buying, you know, Starbucks and iPhones and whatnot. That's not, that's not the issue, right? Yeah. Um, you know. And, or may, that may have happened once and someone grabbed that story and ran with it. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's always an incredible corner case where of, that's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of, per, yeah. of a percent. But 
it know, sells. It I mean, we're talking to, we're talking about you know the like ninety five percent of people, right? People like there's always the complaints about you know waste waste fraud and abuse in the support systems, right? But I, I always like to ask people if you had a gut feeling for what percentage of of those programs are actually like the 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 amount of money lost to those things in waste fraud and abuse. You know, what do you think? Is it is it like one percent? Is it ten percent? Fifty percent? Seventy percent? Right? And I don't know if you have a gut feeling on it. Do you? Do you? Uh, on a number? No. I yeah. I, like, whenever I ask people that question, they never do. They never have that gut feeling, even though they've heard this concept of you know freeloaders in the system. And you know the the real the real numbers on that stuff is like less than one percent. Okay. You know, and so okay, yeah great there uh, there are some free riders on the system who will take advantage of it that's true of every system in the whole world that's just there's always a part of humanity will, that, that will do that but yeah. if i can help 99 of if i can help 99 of my neighbors and help and like uh, and i have to help one freeloader along the way whatever right worth it, it may be worth it I, I think that's reasonable right because <laughs> a lot of good is being done even though there are some bad apples who will take care that take advantage of the system but in this case it's not that those those bad apples they aren't spoiling the whole bunch. Yeah. Right. The vast majority are just normal, hardworking people that had a bad moment and they need it like they need some time to get through and then they get off of it and that's how it normally works. Right. So, eh. <laughs> so suck. So suck it. Right. That's right. Wait. No. Hold on. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. As our time is running out here mm -hmm. again, indeed. Let's. This has been fun. I've really enjoyed this. I think this is, what's the word? This is not like a test case or experiment. I think it's just two guys talking and learning about each other and values and views. And 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 mm -hmm. guess what? I don't dislike you anymore mm -hmm. because we talked. I dislike you the exact same amount. Exact same amount. Perfect. <laughs> then I've, I've done my job. <laughs> but this is what we should do. Yeah. yeah. More of. People. Sure. Mm -hmm. humanity people in general yeah yeah not just you and i i mean i would i want to do this again uh maybe we have a, a monthly you know hot button that shit crazy topic i don't know because we definitely should talk about why billionaires should not exist definitely well we could do we all right let's not uh, now not now but uh but, but at some point we could we just have to no more. i definitely gotta go now yeah okay thank you man yeah i think this is very valuable and fun and um Let's set up another one. I definitely, yeah. Why billionaires should not exist. I'd never even thought about that until you brought it up. That's a, that's an interesting concept. That should, that should be a good hook for the people who want to come back. Good hook. Billionaires. Why they do not, should not exist. Just billionaires or anything billionaire and beyond. Like trillionaires. Well, we don't have yeah. one of those yet, but Elon Musk is on his way. He's on his way. All right. So millionaires, good with billionaires. Not so much. Well, I, mean, I think that's at least a good uh, a good cutoff for now. Yeah. Okay. For now. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, man. Well, uh, thank you very much. All right. We will do this again. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at BrianKeithParish.com/feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Parish to Thought Show.